So today we're gonna start out and Mary is gonna give her testimony. So yeah, so you can come on up here and then this is just gonna, just pretend it's not even there. Is it on? Yeah, it's on. Okay. Hi, I'm Mary. Um, So I don't really know how to start, but um, I last, was it, we didn't do this last week, did we? No, this. Um, So two weeks ago, Riley did the before and after thing, and I think that really helped me with this because um, just like planning and everything. So before, like I knew Jesus, um, my life was very empty and I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't have a set like group of friends. Um, I was scared of the world and scared to talk to anyone about how I felt. Um, And it was kind of sixth grade when I really just, I got lost. I, I don't know how to describe it. It was just so scary and it brings back so many bad memories um, because I was so insecure with myself and didn't know how to do anything because I was scared to try new things for what other people would think and I think we all do that. Um, But sixth grade I had no friends um, because I wasn't like everyone else's expectations is how I think of it Um, and every night I would cry and just question why am I even here if I like have no purpose and I always grew up in a Christian household and we went to church every Sunday Um, we talked about who Jesus was but I guess since I went to church I just guessed I was getting into heaven which I was not right at all Um, and I would wake up scared to even go to school um, because I again was scared for like anything and I was also like, yes, again, went to school, but I didn't talk about Jesus to other people because a lot of people at school aren't followers. So I would, it would give me anxiety talking to them about who Jesus is and all of that because part of that, I, I didn't know who he was and I was scared to admit that I didn't know who he was. Um, and then... It was kind of just a breaking point of I need help and I was diagnosed with anxiety and part depression but um, seventh grade was kind of a rise and I got a little more friends and I got if you know uh, Julie Witherington her mom led a life group at Greenwood Christian and I went to that and I found a really good group of girls but going there every Sunday, it was kind of like I was, I was just dreading going to the life group because I would leave and not learn anything. It was kind of a communicating kind of time. Is that what it's like called? I don't know. I think I'm thinking of a word that doesn't, kind of, it was like that. Yeah. Um, but I just, it didn't click and I didn't learn anything new. I didn't, like, I didn't 
it was almost like I didn't want to learn because I felt like Christians were living a life that was scary, um, but I was living the scary life. And so then I decided that I wanted to get baptized even though I knew nothing because I felt like that was gonna save me. So on June 18th of 2018, or 2019, I got baptized and I was happy, but again, I didn't know anything. I, I was still empty, I didn't know my purpose. Um, so then I quit going to the GCC group and I just stopped going anywhere in general. Um, so I, I was just alone with no one. Um, and I was talking to my mom one night and she said something that really stuck with me. And it was like, and she said, saying you're a Christian and actually acting like a Christian are two totally different things. And so it's like relation or religion and relationship. Those are not like, they're two different things. And I really, it stuck with me and oh, she's not here, but Julia, um, I talked to her about where she went and she went here and obviously I knew like people here, but I didn't, I was scared to come, but then I came and I left wanting to come back the next day. And I was just questioning like, why, what makes them so happy? I don't like, why are they genuinely happy? And like genuinely just having fun with their lives. And it was the Lord, it was everything that he gives and, so that was April 11th of this year that I came for my first time, and that was, it was God. So I, that night, just went on my knees, and I just prayed that he would turn my eyes to him and give him the testimony, or give, make, set my eyes on him because I needed him. And so then after, um, I come came here like every Sunday, and Wednesday mornings, and I just felt filled with his, sorry, crying. I felt filled with his grace, so sad, sorry, um, and I felt like I have everything I need, sorry, sad, um, I'm just very happy to know that, um, I have a lot of people who care for me and um so thank you to all of you I hate myself crying That's... um so one of the bible verses that really sticks out to me is 1 Corinthians 16 13 through 14 and and it says be on guard be on your guard stand firm in faith be courageous be strong and do everything in love and it not only reminds me of him, but just have like how many people actually care. Um, and Riley is someone that I really look up to in everything I do because she has such a strong love for the Lord, and that makes me want to have a love for the Lord. And um, I've just really grown as a person, and um, through him. I'm free, and so 
yeah, I don't know what else to say. But I also saw a thing this morning, and it said like, what's meant to be in God's eyes may not what may, eyes might not be what's meant to be in mine, and that just really stuck with me, uh, because everything has a purpose. So in going back, like thinking about my sixth grade self, um, not having any friends was just setting myself for how many I have now. And that was his plan. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. Sorry, I hate crying so much. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's never easy to get up here and share your story. So, and you don't need to apologize for crying because we've all been up here and we've all cried. And we've all been out there and cried too. But Mary, I love you and I'm so glad you're part of our group. And I'm even more glad that you know Jesus as your savior. So um, next week, I think Ellie Gill, she um, she's, has COVID right now, which is a bummer. But I think she's giving her testimony next week, which will be really exciting. But if you ever want to give your testimony, please let me know. Anyone's welcome to give your testimony. If you um, know Jesus and he's changed your life, then we want to hear it. Um, all right, so I'm super excited for today. Does everyone have a note packet? Okay, cool. Um, I'm really excited for today because um, it's the st- it's like the kickoff of our new series. Um, <laughs> um, huh? Yeah, we can close the door. It might help. Huh? It's Brock. He's like on a mission. Um, we're starting off our new series in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, which is so exciting because the Sermon on the Mount is awesome. Um, it is the best sermon ever given by the best pastor in the whole world because it's given by Jesus and Jesus was like perfect. So he's the perfect pastor and therefore this is the perfect sermon. Um, so it's going to be three months long. So buckle in. We're going to be here for a while. Um, but I made little packets for you guys that you guys can take notes in if notes is your thing. But if you don't want to take notes, you can just give me back my packet and we'll use it for someone else. Um, but why is the Sermon on the Mount so important? What have you guys, what do you guys know about the Sermon on the Mount? Like what, why is it so important? The longest recorded message we have. Yes. Yeah. It's like the very words of Jesus and it's really long. Yeah. What else? Why, why else is the Sermon on the Mount really important? That is a really important one is the Jesus part. Um, it's, also, it, it's also important because it is this mark. There's a transition when Jesus comes, right? We're going from the old covenant, which is like laws, regulations, priests, sacrifices, um, but looking forward to the Messiah. And then Jesus comes, he's the promised Messiah, and then the new covenant comes with him. So this sermon is Jesus saying this is, these are the new laws or the new regulations, the standards that I'm giving to my people. Um, so it's important because Jesus himself is speaking. So when we're reading these words, it's literally the words of Jesus, which is so cool. Um, it's also important because it is, it's a description of what the kingdom is supposed to be like. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the kingdom, which is just like a community of believers that all believe in Jesus. And one day we will be in heaven and that will be like, we'll be a kingdom together in heaven and Jesus will be the king. And then the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and we'll come back down and we will reign, but that doesn't, I mean, doesn't really 
matter right now to the Sermon on the Mount. We can talk about that later. But um, it's rules for the kingdom. It's if you are a believer, this is how your life should look like. It's like a standard of living, um, your character traits, um, what you should aim for and how you should live if you know Jesus is your Savior. So um, Jesus will refer to the kingdom a lot here. Um, and when he says this, it just encompasses anyone who sees Jesus as their Savior. So that's one thing to keep in mind about the Sermon on the Mount is it doesn't really tell you how to be saved. We're going to talk about the gospel all the time and like how to be saved. But this is a, like the way to live after you've been saved. So it's like a discipleship manual. It's like, okay, you know Jesus is your Savior. Here's what your life should look like. This is what you should aim for. Um, but don't forget you're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit in you. You're doing it with the help of God walking alongside of you and working those things out of you um so it's just a discipleship guide which i thought was a really cool thing um to call it so as we study you'll just see how different jesus's call for our lives is it's completely countercultural, which means our culture tells us one thing jesus usually tells us to do with the exact opposite um and we'll see the first one today um so we're going to get take our time through the sermon on the mount we're only going to go like three verses today and that's going to be like the most that we're like, and next week we're only doing one verse, and so we're really gonna take our sweet time through it. Um, but Jesus's way is always has freedom and life to it, and the world's way always has death um, and emptiness. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into what exactly it looks like to live a life that Jesus calls us to, that we're promised that we're gonna have fulfillment from. Um, so go ahead and open with me to Matthew five. The Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew five through seven, I believe. Matthew 5. Um, who could read for me verses 1 through 3 of chapter 5? I can read it. All right, thank you, Andrea. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to preach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Awesome. And that's all we're going to look at today, just those, those verses. Um, so the, set, the setting of the Sermon on the Mount is, go figure, a mountain. Um, so at this time, a teacher, would, uh, a teacher would sit, and then the disciples or the people that were listening would stand. So for this entire series, you guys have to stand. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but Jesus would sit on the side of the mountain, and all the people would gather, and they would stand um, and listen to him teach. Um, and Jesus opens up with what we call the Beatitudes. So um, it's just a list, I think, of eight characteristics. Um, it's a collection of characteristics that are markers of someone who lives in the kingdom of God. So someone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who has had a heart change because they know who Jesus is. Um, this is what their characteristics or their traits should look like. So D.A. Carson calls them the norms of the kingdom, which I thought was really cool. So if you know Jesus as your savior, this should be the norm of your life. Like this should mark your life. Um, and they're all built upon each other. So the one that we're going over today, which is poor in spirit, is like the foundation for all of them. Um, so you can't, um, you can't, uh, be meek unless you're poor in spirit. You can't mourn over your sin unless you're poor in spirit. It all like builds upon each other, which is really cool. Um, so that's why we're starting with this one. Um, so they all like, they're like little puzzle pieces. So the quote we're going to focus on today is blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, and the word blessed is very important. So if we break it down to like the original Greek translation of the word blessed, it's called makarios. Um, M-A-K-A-R-I-O- U.S., which means a untouchable or unshakable joy, which I think is 
the coolest way to define that. So an untouchable or unshakable joy. It means that it's a joy that no matter what your circumstances around you, you still have this joy. No one can take it from you. Your whole life can be falling apart, but you can still have joy. It's much different than just happiness that comes and goes. Um, I'm having a good day because I'm happy. Um, I'm having a bad day because it's just a bad day, so I don't have any happiness. But joy is saying, I'm having an awful day, but deep in my soul, I am joyful because I know Jesus as my savior. Um, so the word makarios is the word blessed in like English. Um, and it just means that when you know Jesus, you have an untouchable joy that no one can take from you, that no circumstance you walk through can ever touch because he lives inside of you and he works that in you, um, which is a great promise because we walk through a lot of really tough things um, and a lot of suffering. And to know that we can still have that joy and that comfort inside of us is, is really... Um, comforting. Um, so what does the world say um, when we are blessed? What does the world say? Like, what is a blessing in the world's eyes? If someone is blessed, what does that mean? Got a lot of stuff. Yeah. They got a lot of stuff. They're probably pretty. Yeah. What else does the world say is blessed or will make you happy? Yeah, yeah, having a lot of leisure time, being able to just go on vacations or have money. Yeah, the world says you will be happy, you'll be filled, you'll be joyful when you have money, when you have the looks, when you're beautiful, when you have the clothes, when, ev- when you have your health, when, you, um, when everything's going right, then you will be happy. Or if you achieve this success, you will be happy. If you can just work enough hours, you will be happy. Um, but the, what, what Jesus says is so different. He says, joyful, deeply unshakable joyful are the, are the ones who are poor in spirit. Um, so what does poor in spirit even mean? Um, poor in spirit is a prerequisite to the kingdom of God. So it is before you can enter into the kingdom of God, you have to be poor in spirit. And it's the opposite of self-sufficiency. It's saying that I am spiritually bankrupt. There is nothing good in me. I am poor in spirit, which means I am not righteous. I am not perfect. I am actually a very sinful human being, and I need someone bigger than me, more perfect than me, um, more righteous than me to stand in my place and forgive me of my sins and help me become better um, and help and just forgive me and um, make that um, the ground between us and God because of our sin, just like um, bridge the gap between that. Um, So poor in spirit means that you're completely aware of your spiritual bankruptcy. Um, So this is not a new thing. We think, um, well, this is the new covenant, so this is a new law. Um, but it's not. In the, in the Old Testament, it talks a lot about how the Lord desires people to be poor in spirit. Um, Maddie, could I, Maddie Markland, could I have you turn to Proverbs sixteen nineteen? Um, and then Bethany, could you turn to Isaiah 66 too? So poor in spirit is, is just another word for humble too, because you have to be humble to realize that you are a sinner. Um, and the Lord loves a humble heart. Um, so uh, Maddie, can you go ahead and read Proverbs sixteen nineteen for us? Yes. Better to be lowly of spirit with the humble than to divide plunder with the proud. Awesome. And then Bethany, are you there? Nope. <laughs> Isaiah is like, yeah, it's like kind of. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's like right in the middle of the Bible usually because it's so big. That's okay. I almost have it so I can read it for us. Okay. Might be a better idea. Yeah. That's okay. Proverbs, I mean, Proverbs, Isaiah 66, 2 says, all these things in my in my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I will look, one who is humble and contrite in spirit, and one who trembles at my word. So Jesus says, I mean, God says, um, the one that I look on with favor is one who is humble, one who is contrite in spirit, which is just, I'm aware of my spiritual bankruptcy, and one who trembles at my word. Um, so from the beginning of time, this is what God desires in the heart of his people is, it's not saying, oh, God, I'm a good person. Let me into heaven. It's, it's saying, God, I am not a good person. You have no reason to let me into heaven. Um, but in your mercy, would you please like make a way for me? And he makes that way through Jesus Christ. Um, so in God's kingdom, a man who sees his sinful state is blessed, which is crazy, right? Because in the world, it's like, you, like you'll be blessed if you're just a good person, right? But in God's kingdom, it's saying, well, if, you're, if, you, can, if you say, yes, I'm a sinner, you are blessed. Um, how can that? How can that be? Why is it that case in Christianity that if you say I'm a sinner, you end up being blessed? Because you're telling the truth. Yeah. About it. Yeah, you're telling the truth. You're acknowledging it for what it is. Yeah. You fully understand your place. You're not like mm-hmm. making something up to feel good. Hmm. You like fully accepted that you are good enough. Yeah. You will never, ever, ever make it to heaven on your own. Like you fully understand the reason Jesus is there and what He's doing for you, and you've accepted that He's the only hmm. way that you get anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Because if you realize that you can't do anything, then you embrace Jesus even more. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important to remember that we have. It's saying, blesses the person that acknowledges their sin. Because everyone's a sinner, right? Every single person. Uh, Romans um, 3 something, 3.23, probably not. Somewhere in Romans 3 says that there is not one person that is righteous. No, not one. So every single person is not righteous. Um, I think it is 3.23. You, you mind looking at that, um, Andrea? Um, it says that there is none who are righteous, not even one. And so every single person is a sinner. It's just whether you acknowledge it or not. So in Jesus' kingdom, if you acknowledge your sin, you're blessed. Um, tell me when you have it, Andrea. I think it might be Romans 3, 9 through 11, too. What did you think it was? Romans 3, 23. But I thought that was for the wages of sinners. That's for all the fault. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Three ten. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Mm-hmm. Yes, perfect. There is none righteous, not even one, and the wages of sin is death. But when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior and you look to Him, then you are blessed. You get eternal life. You get to be with Him forever. You get the Holy Spirit, and you get joy that is unshakable, unmovable, not affected by anything that goes on in your life. Um, so some people consider themselves good people and they say, I do good things. I, I'm not really that mean. I like, I, I don't, I don't really like do anything bad. Those people are not blessed because they do not acknowledge that they're poor in spirit. 
Um, some people refuse to acknowledge God, and they are not blessed because they do not acknowledge that they're poor in spirit. Um, but to, in God's eyes, the person that is most blessed is the one that says, I am a sinner, um, which is so against our nature, um, but it leads to eternal life. Um, so D.A. Carson, which is the person that I'm using to like study this passage, um, says something really interesting, um, and I thought that I'd bring this up, because poor in spirit does not mean self-hatred. It does not mean that you look at yourself and you say, I am awful. I hate myself. I am, and that, that's, that's not humble. That's not humility. That's actually, that's just not good at all. So he says, poverty of spirit cannot be artificially induced by self-hatred. Um, and that quote just really st- stuck out to me because um, it's not humble to say, I like to view yourself with hatred. Um, that's not humility um, at all. Um, and such efforts, he says, may achieve token success before others, um, but they never deceive God. Um, so sport, poor in spirit does not mean that you hate yourself. Poor in spirit means that you know you're a sinner, but you rejoice in the fact that the free gift of God is Jesus Christ who died for you and because he loves you, because you have worth, value, and dignity. Um, he died for you, and that means that therefore you... Um, should not hate yourself at all. Um, so being poor in spirit is the first step um, in being a disciple of Jesus. Um, and we do this because God is holy and we are not. Um, so turn with me to Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Um, uh, one of the reasons we are called to be poor in spirit is because the person that we are imitating, we're called to imitate Jesus, he is also described as poor in spirit. So Matthew eleven twenty nine. Um, I'll read 28 too, because it's just so good. He says, come to me, all who are lab- who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and t- take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly. He's saying, this is who I am. And therefore we are also supposed to imitate him. So we're called to be gentle and lowly and poor in spirit um, because we're imitating him. And then Philippians 2, 1 through 11, we talk about this passage a lot when it's when um, all about um, the servanthood of Jesus who who laid his life down for us. um, And then we're called to imitate the same thing. Um, So being poor in spirit makes it easier to serve others as well. So let's go ahead and turn to Philippians 2. I, I kind of always, I feel bad sometimes when I bring this passage up just because we talk about it so much. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, chapter 2, we'll start in verse 6. Um, Who, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Um, so in this passage, again, it describes Jesus as humble. Um, so if Jesus is humble, if Jesus is lowly, um, Jesus is perfect. So he's not like poor in spirit. Um, but we are also called to be humble because we have every reason to be humble. We are, we are not righteous. If he can be righteous and he's humble, then we can be humble and also poor in spirit. Um, so thinking about what it means to be poor in spirit, how is being poor in spirit totally opposite of what the world tells us we should be? I know recently, like a lot of people, 
focus on yourself. You're awesome. You're so great. Make sure that you're focusing on how you feel about yourself when, like, we're not enough. Hmm. We're not great. We're not amazing. Hmm. And we know that. And we shouldn't act like we are, but we should know that Jesus is. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't try to make ourselves greater than we are, but we should focus on the one who is greater than we are. Yeah, because it doesn't end with, you're not enough. Like, um, it's... You're not enough, and that's okay, because he is. Yeah, yeah, there's more to it. It's like, you're not enough, but Jesus is enough. Like, don't forget the Jesus part. Like, that's the most important part to think about. Well, and our will also sets us on top, right? Mm. We're supposed to call ourselves girl boss and queen and, like, say, you do you. And I'm not, like, if you use those phrases, I'm not saying that. But, like, that's what we're supposed to think of ourselves. We're supposed to think of ourselves high and the, the the top of the pyramid and the very very best and we're just hmm. and I think it is good to encourage yourself and it's good to think good things about yourself right if you go around saying I hate myself oh my gosh or like yeah. you slow your coffee oh my gosh I hate myself that's not a good thing right yeah. to build that up in your brain to say I hate myself because the God of the universe loves you that's worth something yeah right? yeah but you don't deserve the top slot hmm. and our world tells us that we do yeah and then if we don't have it we need to work on getting it yeah. That that's, I mean, that's what Matthew was saying, right? That we're better. Hmm. You're, you're enough. You're, yeah. You're all. Yeah. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. And even the people that are on top, they're not actually, they don't have that deep, unshakable joy that we were talking about at the very beginning. Like, I feel like so many people that are in the spotlight that have everything, they're not actually happy. They, they really struggle. Um, and a lot of them end up taking their own lives. And you're like, huh, there, there must be something missing. They're, they have everything, but they're missing something. I mean, they put that in a Pixar movie, right? One of Luke's favorite movies right now is Cars. We watch it all the time. Yeah. But Sally, the blue car, that is like this hot Porsche in the little town, <laughs> is saying, like, I came from L.A., and I was living life in the fast lane, and I was a lawyer, and, you know, then she's telling Lightning McQueen, she goes, but I wasn't happy. Hmm. Like, it was just, it wasn't good. And then so she goes for Radiator Springs. Whatever, but even in a picture movie, they recognize that the way that the hot spots of the world live Hmm. is broken. Yeah. It's not sustainable. It doesn't continue past a couple of years or past, you know, your glory years or Mm. whatever. It doesn't stick around. Especially since they, like, they're trying to be perfect, and it's impossible to be perfect. Mm. They have this perfect body image and face image and amount of money and they want to be the best and be perfect but they're never going to be so it's hard on them because they never feel like they're enough because they're never going to be and they work and work and work to be better and they just eventually give up because you're not you're not going to be happy chasing after fame and beauty because you're never going to be the best Mm -hmm. so yeah and it'll always leave you more empty yeah yeah for sure and poor in spirit doesn't mean that you're not, doesn't mean that you're lame. It doesn't mean that hmm. you're the one who's sold to the corner and you're just like, I'm poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. <laughs> no. It means that you understand where your place is. You hmm. understand how little you have, how little you are, how little you give to the Lord. It doesn't mean that, like, I don't know. When I hear the phrase poor in spirit, I'm just like, oh, I'm not poor in spirit. I'm Great in spirit. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But that's not what it is. Yeah. It's spirit, spiritual. Like mm-hmm. where you are at the bottom yeah. of the, the 
wrong there. It's not like how excited are you or anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a <laughs> that's a good point to make because it's not saying be like what you said, sulking in the corner. Yeah. Um, actually, when you realize that you're poor in spirit in the sense in the, the word like how it's supposed to be, yeah. and then you realize that you have riches in Christ. Yeah. Then it makes you the most joyful person in the whole world. I mean, it's like it's what Mary just told us about, right? Yeah. She realized that all of this joy and this like everlasting, never shaking happiness that she saw in this group of people, she was like, "What is that?" Yeah. And it was Jesus. Hmm. It had nothing to do with that they were all friends. It had nothing to do with any of that. It's that they fully understood who they were. Hmm. Who they were is servant. Of yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Mary. Thank you. Yeah. You, yeah, you really did a great job. Um, yeah, and that's why poor in spirit has to come first in the kingdom of God. Um, you can't be, like like, like um, Andrea said, you can't think of yourself as any, le- any more than poor in spirit if you want to be saved because we have to realize that we have nothing to give to God, and that's the first step in, in like, having Jesus as our Savior. Um, so when did you guys realize that you were poor in spirit? When was like the moment that it clicked for you? I know for me it was, um, I was, I was grounded for like six months and I was only allowed to like read my Bible. And so I read my Bible and I read in Ephesians 2 when it says that you were once strangers and aliens. You were like far off from God and now you're brought near because of Jesus. And I realized, oh, yeah, I, God has every reason to keep me far off. But, and I've been pushing him away. But because I have Jesus, I can come near to him. And that's when I realized I'm a sinner. <laughs> Yeah, when did when did you guys realize it? I've known the phrase, mm-hmm. but I really, really understood it and was like, get it, get what this means. The mm-hmm. first time David and I went through something huge in marriage, yeah, because I couldn't do it by myself, and David could like we couldn't could even do it together. Like it, it was impossible mm-hmm. to handle. I was like, I really can't do anything. I'm worth nothing, and I like, and then I, again, like you read over it in a a sermon or someone mentioned it and you're like get it yeah it makes sense yeah because I I'm not worth anything mm. I can't fix a problem on my own like mm. just can't yeah and the minute that I was faced with a problem that I couldn't fix on my own I couldn't even fix it with David mm. I was yeah. like there's no there's no other option like the Lord has to be the only one yeah I must be so far down the food chain hmm because yeah yeah and even though he is way far above us he still draws near to us and wants to help us in those situations and does help and redeems isn't that great yeah it's amazing the whole universe is like look at you you're the equivalent of literally the the god of the entire universe yeah i want to help you i want to give you i want yeah yeah, Damn. he's like, I love this little flea. Isn't that <laughs> <right>? <laughs> How annoying yeah. must we be? Like we, like we're a toddler that's run into the fireplace because that looks cool. No, no, no. And we yeah. Go, and he's like, no. And he has so much patience. And he has so much love. And like, hmm. man. Yeah. What a guy. He's great. Yeah. Anytime I, f- I fall into sin, I realize more and more what it means to be poor in spirit. Because even after you're a believer, you still sin, <laughs> and it's terrible. 
And then I just am like, I am a, such a sinner. I just sinned against a holy God, and I need him. Like, I need him to forgive me. I need him to die for my sins. I need him to, like, like redeem me. And I, I just feel like every single time something goes wrong or I sin, I just am reminded how much I need him. And the more you remember that, the just the better <clears throat> life gets. Mm-hmm. It just does. Even if everything's terrible, if tomorrow all of your wedding plans fell through and everything was awful and it was the end of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. World, you would like be like out of commission for six months. You're mm-hmm. joyful. You're no, we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. I mean, yeah. that's a trivial example, but mm-hmm. like, yeah. The more that we realize that we're so little, the more the Lord uses us. To build something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll be quiet now. I no, I, Andrea, I love when you talk. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to ever apologize. Um, yeah, does anyone else have like a moment that they realize they were poor in spirit that you can think of? Remember? I have like, I was saying, like you used, like once after I got saved, <clears throat> when I sinned again, like, hmm. more than just like everyday sin. When I sinned again, and I realized, like, I'm a sinful person, <clears throat> and like, I'm never gonna stop. And Jesus is there for me. Mm-hmm. He's perfect, and I'm never gonna be perfect. Mm-hmm. But He saved me. Like, He loves me anyway. Yeah. So, like, in my sin, after I realized who Jesus was, I realized that He He's greater than what I ever thought, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna be enough. Yeah, 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 and it changes everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, why? Why do you guys think it's so hard to think of ourselves as poor in spirit? Andrea hit on this a little bit. Like, why is it so hard to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not capable of salvation on my own. Why is that hard? Yeah. I'm independent. I'm strong. I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to know that I can do it. It's great. Yeah. But we, we can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I can't like do something really, really cool and you know, I'm awesome in other ways. But like spiritually, you're nothing. Yeah. Mm. That's a hard thing to grasp because thinking to yourself, I am worth nothing, is so countercultural. Mm. Like, and if you think it in the wrong way, also. Right. Because we are, we are definitely worth you're something. You're worth so much. And yeah. if you're not worth anything, come and chill with me for half an hour and I'll build you up so great and it'll be awesome. But, just ask me. <laughs> um, but, I, you have to, you have to think to yourself, I'm lost and broken. You have to say things to yourself that are not things we want to hear. Mm. Right? I, you don't want to hear that you're lost, that you're broken, that you can't do anything, that you're really a terrible person, no matter how good you think you like. Mm. You don't want to hear those things about yourself. You have to admit that that's your starting place mm-hmm. and know that the Lord is the only thing that takes you further from there. Yeah. And the world wants us to think the opposite. I mean, it's what everything says, right? They want us to think that we're, we're perfect, we're awesome. Yeah. And it's so hard to talk to ourselves in the right way. Mm. Using those words, because if I think to myself, oh my gosh, I'm nothing, I'm terrible, I'm awful, I'm so broken, right? I can get myself from high to low real fast. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about it just related to you, yeah, you're going to get real low real fast. Mm. But 
I'm not, it's what Beth, it's what Bethany said. I'm nothing. <laughs> Bethany says, but so the smart. Lord fills me up. Yeah. I am weak, but the Lord is so strong. You have to continue this. Sentence. Yeah, yeah. And we get so stuck in, I suck, I'm awful, that we don't finish the sentence mm. with what the Lord has given us freely. Yeah. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because we have worth, value, and dignity, yeah. he, he gives that to us and makes a way because he wants us to be with him. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, poor in spirit is countercultural. So it's totally different from what the world tells us. And you guys will see that in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, that it's completely opposite of what the world tells us. Jesus' kingdom and the way that he wants us to live our, li- live our lives is completely different, which is why we should stand out as Christians um, in this very broken world that doesn't realize that they're poor in spirit. Um, but of course, like Andrea said, it doesn't stop there. We have Jesus Christ as our, as our Savior who came to die for us, who bridges the gap between us and God. And when we accept him, we get eternal life. We get um, peace, joy, <laughs> comfort, um, even in the darkest situations. Um, so a, sur- a simple statement Blessed are the poor in spirit is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, is the foundation of everything. Um, And that's all I have for you guys today. And so I will pray, and um, yeah, then we'll go on with our Saturdays. Um, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for this morning, God, and just for the... Um, the truth that is in your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would keep this in our minds throughout the day, that you have called us to a life that is so different than what the world um, says around us, what social media says, what our friends that don't know you, what they say life should be. God, I praise you that we are poor in spirit, that we offer you nothing, um, that when you came to die for us, you did it with no strings attached. You didn't you just came to die for sinners, and some of them wouldn't even accept you, Lord. And I just I thank you for um, making a way for us to um, inherit eternal life, to know you, um, and to be freed from our sins, God. Um, I thank you that we are poor in spirit, but we are rich in you. Um, God, I just pray that you give each and every one of these girls that deep, unshakable joy today, knowing that they are saved and known and loved by you, and nothing can change that. Um, and God, I just pray more than anything that... Um, that you would just remind us of the gospel over and over again, that you'd make it a truth of our lives, and would you help us share it with those around us. Um, Lord, we love you, but we need your help to love you even more. Um, So would you help us do that today? You know, I pray. Amen.